This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red. A Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Kreuzer, hello. Welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. The Proclaimers said that they'd walk 500 miles. Wrexham have trialled 900 this week. Woking away at the weekend, Weymouth away on Tuesday night. Nathan Salt, you were the, one of the only people probably who did both of them. What is wrong with you? Uh, I need a life. Um, I need I need someone to sort of pull me out of these situations. Tuesday night going down to Weymouth was, was maniac behaviour. But look, there was a few of us I saw there that did both. And it was great. We'll get on to it. But look, Paul Moy, 277 of us. Um, there at the Bob Lucas Stadium. And it was a lot more enjoyable than Woking, I'll tell you that. The food, Woking get the nod for the food, but Weymouth gets the nod for the performance. And Paul Mullen shaking everyone's hand at the end was just a touch of class. So crazy, crazy few days, Rich. I know you were able to at least watch both. I probably should have done that. I probably should have just watched them from the comfort of my own home, but I've got multiple screws loose. Yeah, it's it was a nice sort of novelty again to watch Rex and both on the, on television. Do think that if the game on Saturday against Woking hadn't have been sort of televised and after the Stockport game, that maybe it wouldn't have played on, on our minds as much. But you know, that's an off day now. It's happened. Our, our unbeaten run's been incredible. I feel that we've been victims of our own success. Really, the reaction or overreaction to the Woking defeat because the the character of the side to come back. Notts County in the FA Trophy, Eastley Dover games were last minute winners. You had the. Stockport win in the FA Trophy as well, which was you know another late rally from the side. This team has the mentality; they have the right team spirit. So to criticise them after letting a one 0 lead slip at Woking, I thought was extremely harsh. I can understand why because emotions are raw, and after, at full time, I just turned the TV straight off and went for a long walk in the park myself. I was I was annoyed. I thought, ah, why did I ever believe in the first place? Why I, I knew we weren't going to win the league this season, but I still dreamed and. It was all about the reaction. Weymouth, you know, I was starting to dread again. I was thinking this could be a very morbid podcast. 1-0 down at half-time. And then we did what we always do. I'm not sure what Parky said to them 
in the dressing room at half-time, but Wrexham came from 1-0 down to win 6-1. The perfect response after a 2-1 defeat to Woking at the weekend. Okay, might have rekindled slight dreams of the title, Nath, but we all know deep down it's going to be playoffs or nothing really this season and we still go into them full of momentum, full of belief. And again, full of this confidence that, okay, maybe not against Woking, but against Weymouth when things aren't going our way, that we can turn things around and do so in, in emphatic style. Yeah, I, I was I was dreading um, this podcast, to be totally honest with you, uh, at half-time at Weymouth. Dibble had kept it respectable. He'd made some huge saves. And and I see what you're saying about the overreaction after Woking, Rich, it, coupled with the fact that Stockport had dropped points and it felt like an opportunity lost, uh, opportunity sort of missed and gone. But I also think you can praise this team to the high heavens and also point out that that was a, a, a really flawed performance that should, you know, we learned from it. We've gone and put six past Weymouth, but not changing the team... And I know it had it had no bearing really. We've gone and thumped away with and relegated them. That is my only area of, of concern. Before we go into all the positive things that I saw down at Weymouth and and some of the positive things at, at Woking, we, we we have got to nurse a, against burning out these players before it really counts. I know we've still got to keep pushing for the title, and we've got quality players in reserve. You know, great to see Tom O'Connor come back in and get some minutes in his legs. Riesel Johnson got a bit of a rest, but then came in, changed the game. You know, there, there are others knocking on the door. Dan, Dan Jarvis wants to play more. Um, Tyler French, who will definitely get on to, was brilliant. Man of my man of the match at, at uh, Weymouth. So, yeah, it's that, that's the only thing that, that's niggling in the back of my mind. But look, playoffs, no one no one wants to play us in the playoffs. Um, I don't care what anyone says. Notts County, Grimsby, they're gathering a bit of form, but... A trip to the race course, a one-off game, nine and a half thousand, potentially ten thousand, is not the kind of atmosphere you want to be walking into as an opposition player. No, exactly, and so much of it is about mentality, isn't it? And coping with these big occasions, and that's something that we failed to do at the start of the season. I remember when we had Mark Creighton and Andy Morell on. You can go back and listen to that one if you haven't already. That was sort of a mid-season review of those two, and they both said that. The team just simply weren't coping with the pressure and the expectation that came with these record crowds. Of course, it was 10,000 at the Kairas last time when Ultracon visited. It'll be similar number you'd think this weekend when it's Southend who visit. And then, of course, the Stockport game, which will be a sellout in our last home league match of the season. Yeah, Wrexham have just really picked up the pace. And the other thing as well, Nath, is in terms of league form this season... Wrexham now have the second best home record out of any team in the division. It's only Halifax who have taken more points at home. And of course, we beat them at the Shea as well, which is a huge accomplishment, a huge achievement. Wrexham now have taken 45 points from their 20 home games this season. That's 43 goals scored and 18 conceded as well. So there's a lot of complaints about how binary the first sort of five or six home games were they all seemed to be exactly the same one nils one alls and there wasn't really much excitement it was just Paul Mullen scores and if he doesn't we're a bit screwed but now we've got a completely different team as we say every week you can tick this one off your bingo cards really Hmm. Ollie Palmer has changed everything we play so much better with him and again more goals for him at Weymouth but yeah the Kairos has become the fortress I had to and again we were looking back and it only seems you know last week or so, but we were saying Wrexham when they had these seven home games on the spin 
we need to really pick up our form now. We really need to make home advantage count. Six wins and one draw. That's incredible. And the draw was against Solihull, who, again, I think have sort of been the dark horses in the National League this season. They don't get the credit they deserve. They're not seen as big a scalp as they probably should be, you know, considering they're fourth in the table and only six points behind us. But, yeah, I don't think any team would relish come to the Kairos. And the other thing is now that fans might be saying, oh, they're a bit despondent that it doesn't look like we're going to win the, the league. Obviously, they're going to give it all they can. But if I still think, if you ask most fans at the start of the season, would you take second? I think a lot of them would have, because we've had so much pessimism and so much false belief over the years that just to secure that is, is massive. And the thing is now, we're approaching the final, was it five games of the season? And we've got a six-point cushion over fourth place. Solihull will drop points before the end of the season. Wrexham might do as well. But the point is, we're looking really, really good odds now to get one of those automatic, or not automatic, sorry, but one of the uh, the pass, passageways to the, the semi-final stage of the playoffs. And in doing so, we go into the playoffs with this different mentality where we don't think that the world's against us. We've just missed out on the title, which I think did happen in the 98-point season because the players couldn't really have done much more and they, you know, and they still didn't win the league. Whereas this season, we can hold our hands up. We know it for, for half the season, it felt like it was atrocious football. But now we've got 81 points from 40 games going to the playoffs full of belief. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the character that we're showing, you just hope that the, the, that doesn't sustain itself in the, in the playoffs because Weymouth, as good as that second half was, and we really could have gone and got, and got more um, than, than we did, some brilliant finishes and, and they looked woeful defensively. It was why they've not won a game for so long. Um, but... Yeah, we just need to keep put our foot on the throat early and 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 keep it there really. And uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of chatter and a good few laughs on the way back from Weymouth um, about what was said to kind of spark this this fight back. I did wonder if Lee Butler had given the talk and threatened them all with handshakes or or I don't know. There was a, there was a weird thing that popped into my head was this period where Reading were going for a promotion and the, their dressing room was always full of wine gums. And players would have wine gums to give themselves a boost. So, I yeah, I wonder if there's any kind of like snack of choice or. Well, like when Claudio Ranieri I mean, used to reward the Leicester team with a pizza if they kept the clean sheet pizza, and won. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, well, the the lads stayed in um, in Bournemouth, didn't they, the night before? So it was. I mean, I'm pretty sure their spouses and kids barely saw them because they were down for Woking, got back very late. Sunday they were obviously home and about. Monday they end up travelling down to Bournemouth, uh, stay over there, and then Tuesday at Weymouth, and so look, it's a it's a hectic period. I know um, we'll get on to Jordan, but I know Jordan Davis's uh, girlfriend Kelsey was celebrating in her hotel wherever she is on holiday. I know she uh, made the whole hotel aware that Wrexham were playing Weymouth. So, well, it's, there's just a feel good factor, Rich. We had a good chat, um, myself and Andy, who I went down with, and, and James, friend of the pod, was there as well. We were in a pub before, the John Gregory pub, uh, of all places, in Weymouth. And we were having a good chat with Jeff and a few of the Wrexham fans that are based down Devon Way and, and, and Dorset, that kind of thing. And yeah, there's just an amazing feel-good factor that a lot of fans haven't had for a good number of years. So it it's in a, in a way, it's kind of a shame that we're coming to a period where the whole season will be defined by what happens in the next month really you know what I mean the next six weeks will determine how great this season will be in in 
it you know it will live long in the memory for a, a myriad of reasons but it it yeah in a way we've had such a good ride and we're approaching the kind of the final run now and it's about it's finishing the job seeing the job now seeing the job to brew because they've done so much good that i i really hope and this is what the fear was for most people 45 minutes in at weymouth that you know are we are we running out of steam at just the wrong time and then as we as we saw as you saw on the stream i don't know did you see me on the stream i was behind the I goal did, i did never see saw... on the stream in the first half <laughs> and i was thinking should i take the... a picture and i thought no nah, i'm enjoying my rex and no. a bit too much yeah. to, be, to be doing this but but the, yeah. the goal that saw no good the goal that saw no goals in that end yeah, um, see that's it, what it's that's a... always my pet hate hate as well the the kairas is when all the goals are there at the other end in front of the cop it just makes you feel like Obviously, I'm a tech ender, so I want to see them there right in front of me. But you do feel a little aggrieved, don't you? It was the same for me. Was it Altrincham away, I think, on mm. that sort of that flux in between Boxing Day and New Year? It could be any day of the week. You don't know where it is. It's like a no man's land sort of time. And yeah, we won 2 0 Altrincham, both goals in the other end of the stadium. It just felt a little bit flat. And yeah. actually, Altrincham as well at home, all the goals are in front of the cop. So. We didn't see any any goals right in front of us watching Wrexham beat Altrincham this season, but oh well, we go again. But what yeah. we, Rich, what we did, what we did though, get at the like I say, all the goals were at the other end, some stunning finishes, which I'm sure you'll run through. But what we did get was uh, a good bit of back and forth banter with Dibble, because Dibble was so quiet for the second period that he was asking fans for goal updates on the Man City game. So um, that was just yeah, that was just incredible. It was just funny that. People were giving him goal. It was so quiet. He could have got his deck chair out and probably found a stream to to watch the game. Um, it was so quiet. I'm a bit annoyed you didn't say incredible, but incred inc no. I've really used bad. up all my yeah. Incredible is that's not catching on. I did ask people <laughs> on the Twitter space. I did ask people on the Twitter space after the game um, to kind of get their creative juices flowing to think of a a, a name, a catchy name for. Um, for kind of the, well, I saw somebody put the holy trinity of Palmer, Jordan, and Mullen, yeah, and I yeah. couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of a, a quirky nickname. Saw someone said PMD. That doesn't really work. I, was, I for literally me. Just typed up PMD. I was writing up their initials. PMD. To see, yeah. It, can any of it fit into something? Um... No, I, I don't know. It's a shame, really. Um, yes, I, I look. It's not going to come to me. But if anyone has got a great name for those three. Then let us know at Rob Ryan Red on Twitter, or you can email us Rob Ryan Red at gmail dot com. Um, and what I should say, Rich, I know we we got there's some confusion at, at Woking. Um, just to pass on some some very sad news. Um, so I, Nigel Griffiths, not the not the Nigel who emailed us in Nigel Coulton, but Nigel Griffiths, a long time Wrexham fan, um, sadly passed away very very recently, and. I know he's he's well liked by a lot of the supporter base and yeah, someone I, I met down there at the London Reds um at the Woking game just was yeah, very, very sad very sad news and, and we, you know, wish his family uh we give we give our condolences. Yeah, Nigel's a big supporter and and yeah, it's a it's a big loss to the fan base whenever a lifelong fan. So I just wanted to get that in there. Weymouth you were watching I was there suffering for 45 minutes but the second 45 where the Lee Butler's threatened them with handshakes or they've been eating wine gums or jelly tots whatever it was 
it, we looked transformed, didn't we? We looked the team that could go and run a mock, and we and we did. Yeah, it was that sort of team that had beaten Aldershot, beaten Kingsley comfortably away already this season. The team that we know are capable of scoring lots of goals on the road, and it didn't take long for them to come either. Five minute, within five minutes of the restart, Jordan Davis had drawn his level with a stupendous strike. Paul Mullen bundled one over the line as well as he went for a header. Then James Jones... What a finish that was as well. He's his, the runs he's making from deep are really impressive as of late. You know he looks a completely different player, and yeah, he does look like a League One footballer now. He's he's excellent. He looks so full of confidence. Jordan Davis then made it four-one to Wrexham with a, another wonder goal. The way he took it down and finished it into the bottom corner. That's twentieth of the season for Jordan Davis. We'll get onto him in a second. Then Paul Mullen scored again. Ollie Palmer scored within 60 seconds of it as well. So Wrexham won 6-1 in the end. Maybe could have even got some more if they really wanted to and go for the jugular. Mullen and Palmer both stayed on um, late into the game. Mullen got replaced with four minutes left because he wants to be beating Shamanga's goal-scoring record. He's drawn level now. He only needs one goal in his final five games to do that. You would strongly back him to do so. And yeah... Tom O'Connor made his return. We'll get on to Tom O'Connor as well. The man he replaced was Jordan Davis. Another testament to what an incredible young man he is as well, Nath. Not just as a footballer, but as a human being. And as a role model for Wrexham fans, young and old. Someone who cares so deeply about the club. Someone who's given so much to the club. And someone who remains so dedicated to the cause, even when he's got sort of personal issues off the pitch to deal with. Yeah, I mean, he... I mean, it, the... Starting with the performance, it was, I call it a virtuoso because he, you know, and I'll be totally honest with you, for that first period, he was largely anonymous. He just wasn't able to get into the game. And I think at Woking, it was similar. There was an element of he just couldn't get into the game, couldn't find those pockets of space where he's so deadly. Second half, I mean, the first goal is a stunner. It's a, it's a stunner. It's gone full, you know, full power mode, uh, max power. Not the Wigan midfielder, if he's still there now, but yeah, Max Power and the shot scores, and that settled us right down. You know, with the ninety seconds, we've equalised, and 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 we go from there. And his his second goal is is a touch of class. You know, to bring it out the air, and 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 to finish like that. But it, you know, after the game, Jordan wrote great response second half from the lads. We can all agree with that. He put, I lost my nanny on Sunday, and no one will be more proud. Goals nineteen and twenty for the season are for you. R.I.P. And I saw that, and I had to take a moment, really. Not, oh, you know, well, I wasn't particularly massively overwhelmed. I just wanted a period of reflection because what Jordan has gone through off the pitch, and I, and I put this on Twitter as our kind of top tweet. I was desperate to pin something as, as a tweet, and I put I, this is what I wrote last night as I was leaving the ground. I put what this man has been through this season is absolutely agonising. No words left, a sensational talent with a heart of gold. Now, it was well documented earlier in the season, um, the tragic, the deeply tragic news about Jordan uh, and, his, and his girlfriend Kelsey suffering a, a stillbirth. Um, and, and they raised a lot of money for Sands. And we obviously know Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively, Caitlin and Rob, they put £10,000 into to the um, Just Giving and, and that did really well and, and raised a lot of money for Sands in, in what were deeply, you know, tragic circumstances. And Jordan could easily, and, and no one would have, no one would have kind of kicked up a fuss if he'd have needed some time off, needed needed weeks off to just grieve as any, you know, as any kind of new parent would. 
but he didn't. He, he played the next game. I think it was against Gloucester City in the FA Trophy. Did he score once? Score twice? You know, dedicated his goals. Incredibly emotional, uh, and you know the character he showed that day. I think we said it on the podcast. Incredible, sensational, and and, and a role model to any young Wrexham fan, to any fan really. You know the the measure of the man. Um, you see it in adversity like that, and his ability to find motivation. Look, this week. We lose at Woking, massive low for so many people. The players feel what we feel, you know. They will have been disappointed to have felt like it was an opportunity missed. They go home, you know, very sad news about his nan uh, on the Sunday, passed away. You go down on the on the Monday and it's, it, you know, it's a natural, it's travelling down. I'm sure there's an element of you know, laughter and joking and, and whether Jordan told everyone, kept him to himself, I'm, I, I'm not sure, I don't know. But for him to come out again and and use it really as fuel to make these people in his life proud, you know he'll never forget um, the child he's lost as any parent wouldn't, and and he's never going to forget his nan. And so, yeah, the responses to that I just put it it was a touch of class, and I've I've no um, for someone who's got no words left as I say I've rambled on a bit there, Rich, but it it really is absolutely mind-boggling you know what he's been able to do with circumstances that you wouldn't wish on on your worst enemy absolutely and like we said it's just incomprehensible and like you said nobody would begrudge him if he needed time off at any stage of season to you know have time to himself with his family to just try and comprehend everything he's been through but it's a testament to him how professional he's remained and not only that he's playing the best football of his career um, he's playing at a ceiling way above the National League. I tweeted last night saying that, you know, he is far too good for this level and I'm just so grateful to have him. But I'm not only grateful to have Jordan Davis, the footballer, I'm delighted to be able to go there and watch Jordan Davis, the human being, the man from Coid Poif, the Coidy assassin, making us all proud and just putting in those sort of performances to see a player like him still in his infancy, flourishing and enjoying himself so much, taking on the responsibility, the leadership in this Wrexham team. The goals he scored, 20 of them a season, most of them absolutely outrageous. The free kicks, the corner at Dover that somehow crept in and the key moments as well. You think of the Dover home game, that free kick to make it five all. The goal away at Marine in the FA Cup. Okay, we didn't go on the cup where we wanted to, but a horrible day, an awful performance salvaged by his left boot once again. And I hope it's Wrexham and John Davis going together in tandem up the leagues, it might not be. You know, one day it might come where this player has outgrown the club and he has to go on to fulfil his aspirations of playing for Wales, playing in the Premier League. I generally believe he can do both of those things. He is an incredible footballer, incredible person. So proud to call him ours, so proud to call him one of our own. And yeah, John Davis, so much love, so much respect for you and all your family to do what you've done in the circumstance as well. Like I said, incomprehensible what a player. And I remember it was after Halifax away last season when he scored that incredible hat trick. I remember tweeting sort of tongue in cheek saying, it turns out Jordan Davis is our own Gareth Bale. And that Halifax hat trick was actually his Inter Milan away moment. Of course, when Gareth Bale burst sort of on the scenes with that incredible hat trick for Spurs away at the San Siro. And Jordan Davis, I sort of joked he was our own Gareth Bale. 
I think he is, you know. The comparisons, obviously, being left-footed, starting in defence, moving further up the field, taking on more, more responsibility, being the man in the key moments, so good from set pieces. Jordan Davis could play anywhere on the pitch and be our best player. He has just come on leaps and bounds. And like I said, he might have to leave at one point. I hope not. I hope we can match his ambitions as a player. I really think we can. Obviously not, we'll get too carried away. But, you know, even going forward, he could play up front. He could be that sort of Gareth Bale for us. And I'm just, I'm just over the moon. I'm so happy to have him. Yeah, I mean, what I would say, I just wanted to pick up on a point there, that I think Jordan's really taken a step forward. Because I, I do think back, Rich, to, it must have been one of our earliest podcasts. It was Hartlepool at home last yeah. season. Yeah, you know, he had that, no confidence. That, yeah, that, that was one of my... That's always something I, I go back to. And I think me and you were sat, you know, in front of our microphones, desperate for Jordan to trust his own ability and drive. And, and you're better than these players. And you need to realise that and grasp it and be your best self. And he was going backwards and, you know, just looked like he, he couldn't... He didn't believe his own hype. Uh, you know, and I know people think that can be a bad thing, but sometimes you've got to have that level of arrogance. And he he does seem a just a really nice lad. Uh, he just seems like a very down to earth lad who who's very good at football and wants to. And I I remember interviewing Nico Williams recently when I was having to cover Fulham for a game, and again he was similar, like a really quiet, just a nice lad who who's good at football. And and with Jordan this season, I feel like yes, he's around better players. And as you go up the leagues, you'll be surrounded by a better standard where it won't be hoofball and it won't be rubbish pitches. You know, it it will open up to the point where it will become more about technical ability and and he's got that in abundance. So rising through the league should suit him if it's done, you know, progressively and and, and in a way that means he can just keep developing at at the same time. But I think Jordan really has taken games on his back this season. You know, he's really gone and just won it for us on occasion, which, yes, he did last season, but I think this season, even if he's not got the decisive goal, it's it's the assist. It, it's it's the pass to the assist. It's the it's the diver in run that's pulled two or three people away. It's 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 the technique that he's gone and... He's gone and delivered us a lot of points this season. And, you know, yes, Paul Moyne's been incredible, and he's the one that, you know, everyone sings, sings the name of and... Palmer's had a massive impact and James Jones has arguably been one of the best players over the last couple of months. Luke Young's had a huge renaissance in the second half of the season. Aaron Hayden's been great. Ben Tozer, Max Lowe's Rob Layton. But but Jordan really has come up. I watch a lot of American sport and I say he's come up clutch. And I think he has. And I think he, he's, he's become incredibly clutch for Wrexham. And, and that is a priceless skill to have as a player. If you, if you can come up big in the biggest moments, which he does, the ceiling feels so, so high for him. Jordan Davis, not the only player who caught attention as well at Weymouth. Paul Mullen, of course, back in the goals. And he's up to, is it 25 now for the season? 24 um, level with Shimanga in the golden boot race in the National League. Yeah, 24 goals apiece. Paddy Madden, third on 20. Obviously, there's going to be maybe mitigation to Shimanga's record, given he's had this horrendous injury, and we wish him all the best, hopefully, maybe after the playoffs, if we were to play Chesterfield in our own selfish way. 
But Paul Mullen, he's had spells where he's been out of sorts. He's had spells where he's been injured. He's had two suspensions as well for straight red cards, 24 goals. It wasn't just his goals, though, at Weymouth and even at the weekend against Woking. It was his tracking back. He made tackles in his own area in both matches where he just ran, you know, on a sort of empty, gave it his all, sliding tackles to recover for Exum. And he's another player who just incredible, isn't he? He's just a class above this level and a joy to watch every single week, not just for those goals, but the work rate, what it means to him. And like you said, at the top of the pod as well, come full time, he made an effort to go and shake hands of every Wrexham fan still in the stadium just to thank them for the pilgrimage they made down south. Yeah, he's he's just class personified Paul Mullen. I mean, it, it, the conversation I was having with Andy or went down with was, you know, as look, we'll we'll get into this on another one and make we can make cases for three, four, five players for player of the year. The popularity that comes with Mullen is it's like groupies, like hysterical. I mean, he you know he he just has it. He has that cult hero status in in his first season, and he's. Realize he for me. This is a bit of a tangent, but for me, he will be the star of the documentary when that comes out. He will be the one whose profiles on social media will skyrocket beyond belief. He will be the guy. He will be it. He'll be the guy that that everyone who doesn't know Rexon before will want to be like and will want to know more about and follow. And yeah, I think he might need a second phone just to to get ready for all the calls. It's going to come his way. But yeah, against Weymouth, I mean. He, he was denied a stonewall penalty in the first half, yanked down. I mean, that's just a penalty. Yeah, there's a replay of that on the stream, actually, yeah. as well. And, yeah, you don't really get them, do you? But they are penalties. Yeah, the Lino, the Lino just wasn't awake on, on the near side. I mean, it's a penalty, clear as day, right in front of us. And he, he just looked like he had the defence on toast and, and an unlucky that some of his deliveries weren't converted by Palmer and others and McAlinden and co. So, um yeah, just delighted for him because, like you say, without that suspension and, you know, the horrible injury for Shamanga, I'm sure he would have kept scoring at the rate he was. But, yeah, for Mullen to, to go and get that golden boot and, and to cap it off with... I think, to be honest, I think Mullen had traded... He's the type of player that strikes me as someone who would trade in every single goal he scored if you could shake hands and say that Wrexham will win the league, if Wrexham will be promoted. I honestly don't think he cares that much. I, I think for him, if he wins the golden boot and we lose in the playoff final, I don't think I think he'll be absolutely devastated and think he's had a dreadful season. Um, I, I really don't think he's the type which is a too concerned with stats. Obviously, they go hand in hand. If he scores a lot of goals, we do well. But yeah, at the end, just to come over and you know, two hundred seventy-seven. I mean, people really need to think about that. Two hundred seventy-seven people made the trip to Weymouth. One full of them being me. And yeah, it's 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 just remarkable. I mean, anywhere in the country, for, for people who were leaving Wrexham at quarter to twelve, eleven forty-five a.m., and they got back at almost three a.m. You know that is incredible commitment, and that's you know not in any way slant on people who didn't go or those who did. It it's just remarkable that people are able to go all over the country at any moment. You know, drop of a hat, they can go. It gets changed. And and I just think that went a long way. You know, I've spoken, but I've, you know, I've been critical before, haven't I? Of players not coming over and clapping or Parking not coming over. You know, Paul Moyne didn't have to come over and shake everyone's hand at the end there. 
and I just think it spoke measures of him as a, as a person that you know, he realizes how special this fan base is and this club is, and that, that's why he's desperate to to be the man who delivers it. And so while we were joking about maybe one of maybe the forgotten men might go and get the winning goal in the playoff final if we get there. Um, God, those those words have been uh, controversial, haven't we, this week? Maybe we'll get onto that later, Rich, if we get there. But but back to Mullin. Yeah, I mean, what, what's there left to say? There's no superlatives left. He weren't, they weren't his most extravagant goals, but who cares? He just wants to keep knocking them in. And he looked absolutely really gutted to come off because I think he could smell blood even that late in the game. I think he did, really didn't want to come off. He's come off a few times now when he's on a hat-trick. So, yeah, he must be chomping at the bit still. Yeah, and he's just got such a love for playing football and scoring goals. And he's got that sort of Wayne Rooney street striker about him, hasn't he? He just wants to be playing football. He wants to be the centre of attention, getting those goals. Like you said, I don't think he does worry too much about the stats, but you're a striker. You do care about scoring goals and he's hungry for them, you know? And yeah, I think that no matter what happens, um, like we said, we'll do play of the season in a future podcast and we'll want to get your thoughts on that as well. This season for me is the Paul Mullen season even if he doesn't win player of the year, because I do think Jordan Davis has done it at such big moments as well. I know Paul has with the Stockport goals, etc. And, you know, there's been, been some massive moments of his own, but you do just think this is the Paul Mullen season. The song we all sing, we've got Mullen. Everyone knows that. Every, every young player wants to be Jordan Davis or Paul Mullen, really, at the moment. No offence to Oli Palmer and, and Aaron Hayden, etc. But they're the two main, main men. And, yeah, Paul Mullen, just a joy to watch. And again, I've said it before on the podcast, and again, this is one for your bingo card, but I've come to peace that we might not go up this season. I'm going to be heartbroken if, if that doesn't happen, but I've enjoyed so much of it. And watching Paul Mullen and Jordan Davis, they are as good as any player I've ever seen in a Wrexham shirt. And they are as loved by me as any player as well. They are two of my all-time Wrexham greats. And I know... People have rose-tinted spectacles about any team they grew up watching and there's got to be different eras and you can never sort of fairly put them head-to-head. It's just always opinion. But for me, Paul Mullen and Jordan Davis this season would get into my all-time Wrexham 11. Again, maybe that's one for socials and one for a future podcast, but that's just what I'm saying at the moment. But also in terms of team news then, Naif, Tom O'Connor made his return. There's a bit of maybe uproar on social media. And I know we've spoken to sources involved in, in sort of the squad. And Tom O'Connor has been fit for a while now and sort of been overlooked. But you can understand why, because the midfield's been functioning so well. Luke Young's been excellent. James Jones as well and Jordan Davis. So Tom O'Connor's had to wait his time to come back in. But what did you make of his his performance? Yeah, neat and, neat and tidy, um, neat and tidy, and and I think there's definitely a role for him. But well, there definitely is a role for him. But I think, yeah, you know, I'd had a few conversations of, let's just say, the the people I was chatting to were very frustrated that O'Connor wasn't make was travelling to games and not making the bench, and and wasn't making the lineup. You know, this is a player who. Lest we forget, it's come from Southampton's academy. I was on a train back from Woking. I was speaking to a Gillingham fan. And obviously Tom O'Connor spent a period on loan playing fullback for Gillingham. And they said he was a cut above. You know, he was one of the best players for them at the time. They just couldn't afford to offer him a package to stay. Uh, And he ended up going to Burton. And then now he's he's with us. So, yeah, uh, he came on neat and tidy. I mean, it's very difficult to judge him when he came on. Uh, 
the game was was already won, and he he's very different. Taking Jordan off to put O'Connor on, it is almost then a a two and a one. Whereas I feel like when Jordan's on, it's almost Young and Jones as a two, and then Jordan in front as the one. Feels like with Palm or with the O'Connor, you kind of having one behind. I what I think O'Connor will be really good at is if you can get a lead in a much trickier game. He's the one who can come in and shore it up. He just looks so composed on the ball, so calm and neat and tidy, and he makes a lot of the right decision, a lot, a lot of the right decisions in possession. He never looks rushed or harried. So, yeah, I think that was encouraging that he got some minutes under his belt in a game which, yes, was already done result-wise, but, you know, he needs minutes on the pitch. And it, it, I was actually calling for him a lot earlier, but Parkey, you know, has his team. We've all seen that now, what that start, sort of starting eleven is when everyone's fit. But yeah, great to see him in. And for me, the story of the night was was Tyler French. I, I wrote a tweet tonight, incroyable, as I say. In I was fr- trying to think France. of like what the the profe- the profession of a Tyler would be in French, because he could be like Le um, Le Tyler, the French Le. Tyler. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. You watch the stream. I'm going to try and find out what a Tyler is in in French. Where you talk about because look, t- Tyler French. We saw the lineup, didn't we? I put out before. Are we? Did we want to see changes? Hosanna is fit as well. Wasn't involved. Hyde, I know, travelled down again. He, he's getting better. He did some physio work separately recently, and he is on grass, but he just cannot sprint full. You know, he cannot go full pelt, and then therefore he's not. He's not in game shape yet. Um, we saw the lineup: Rich French in there uh, with her, with Hall Johnson taking a seat on the bench, and McAlinden again in for McFadden. So. I mean, off the kind of on the face of it, off the bat, what did you make of French early on before before we had to have the reshuffle? Yeah, I thought, like you said, I think you said at the start of the podcast, one of, one of them, maybe your mile of match, definitely one of them. I think he, you forget how good he is, and he's a great football player. He was frustrated last season that he wasn't playing enough. You know, after he after he'd been signed, obviously there was the, the faith shown in him. He's had this this second season at the club, and it's not quite worked out for him at times. Was it the Altrincham game he came on as well for Hayden? He made a really good block in that, I seem to remember. He was really good off the bench in yeah, in that last home game. And yeah, it's just another sort of emphasis for me on on the squad depth. And you've mentioned there O'Connor, you've mentioned French, we've got McAlinden, Hazana. Okay, the strike forces maybe a, a bit weak at times. Ponticelli had that great spell when he was coming on, really impacting games. Angus has not been in the last few squads. And yeah, we've just got great strength and depth now. And the other thing is, obviously our strongest 11 is quite abundantly clear based on the team selections Parky's been doing over the last few weeks. And you know who his favourites are. But the, the the real benefit of the squad depth is the fact that, you know, Hayden's had this injury and again, didn't look good. The fact that he stayed down, obviously the no. fact as well that he had the precaution he came off early against Altrincham. He then got a knock at Woking at the weekend, didn't he? And then he's had it the third game in a row where there's been some concern. Obviously, he was substitute this time. Who knows how long that could be him out. Ben Tozer, on the stream at least, seemed to be pointing towards his hamstring and saying that that looks a bit tight. Hopefully, again, it was only precautionary. But, you know, without being too doom and gloom, worst case, that could almost be Hayden's season over if it is a, yeah. a hamstring tear, which would be a massive loss but it is somewhat subsidised and there's a bit of a edge taken off it by French's performance. And Hayden is better than Tyler French, I think, and I think most fans would agree on that. Mm. But it's not a massive drop-off in quality anymore 
And that again, that's in part to Max Kluwerth, who has just monopolised that left centre-back role and it looks sensational there. There's no doubts about him ever having to play matches or be dropped. So you've now got Tyler French who can come in, hopefully build up some momentum alongside Toza just in case he has to play there for the rest of the season. But yeah, a great performance. And again, testament to the squad depth that we've slowly sort of established now. Whereas hmm. it, we have got obviously the recognised 11, but there is a pool of players now who can come on and actually make a difference and change games. Yeah, look, I said, and I was getting a few pelters for saying Tyler French is my man of the match. I just thought he was absolutely superb in in both positions. I thought he looked very lively at right wing back. And then I thought he looked superb. He never looked troubled. He looked calm on the ball as a, as a centre back. Um, and and I saw him as well at Bromley. He came on off the bench um, at Bromley. Hayden again went off with illness there. And... He could easily, I remember speaking to someone at the club and they said he could have folded there at Bromley. He could have folded having not played so, you know, he barely played any minutes. I know we're playing South End this weekend and it was at South End in the away game where French was playing every week and he got two assists at Roots Hall and, you know, assists for Jamie Record and assists for Dior Angus. And, you know, these are kind of names we're not seeing now, you know, so... Look, football's about sliding doors moments and if this is Tyler French's opportunity, as much as we want Hayden to be fit, if it, if it is worst case scenario, I think you've got a, a real player in Tyler French and there's a reason the club wanted to extend his contract when they did. I don't believe it was purely to just protect asset. I do believe that they do see him as a, as a vital role and, and, and having him there meant, okay, we could just shuffle him across and he didn't look like he needed any moment to ad- adapt to it. I thought he looked... Very comfortable in in possession and um, rich. Apparently, the translation uh, "carreleur." Apparently, let me see if I can. What you can uh, play it out loud? Carreleur. I don't know if you can hear that, but there you go. Let's see. So would that be "le carreleur"? Is that the French Tyler? Carreleur. Le Is the that? There you go. That's, oh, that's Tyler in sure, French. I'm not sure that's going to catch on, is it? But le, um, well, I don't know. Le Français carreleur. That sounds that sounds authentic, doesn't it? Yeah. The, the French Tyler. Anyway, anyway, enough well, of no, my the gibberish. Of it, the point of it for me was you would say Tyler in French, so that therefore just the would Tyler. Be the, yeah, because that is the French Tyler. Well, just look how I live. There you go. It's just me chatting gibberish now. You're just trying. You're just making. A, a, I'm making a fool of myself. Very but, niche nickname. Not sure I'll get that one into a chant. Look, look, hey, look. Who knows? What I would say though, and, and this is constructive, and I think definitely there are people there that I discussed this with on on Tuesday night. If if. McFadzian has a problem. I, I, I personally don't know for sure, but I would be surprised if he had real damage from Woking and was brought down on the bus to, you know, brought down on the bus for five, six hours, whatever it was, to, to Weymouth. That wouldn't, Rich, you know that wouldn't make any sense. If you've got a tight hamstring or, a, or you've torn, it wouldn't make sense to have you on a bus for five, six hours, okay? So I, I don't know for sure, but I would be surprised. Look, if there is any more damage and he needs time out, there's got to be work done in training on the communication between Linden and Max Kluwerth because that was where Woking targeted and exploited and it was where Weymouth targeted and exploited in that first 45. Now, individually, they're both very good players. They clearly haven't played together very much, if at all, from the start of games. And, you know, McAllen came in into into the game off the bench against uh, 
against Woking and that's something if I'm parking that has to be a, a long t- longer term solution going into key games that would be one of my priorities working on because there isn't much to fine tune now midfield is rolling they're looking great James Jones is over his long COVID looks brilliant Luke Young he still needs his goal he still needs his goal I think he I, I cannot foresee a, a, a way where he just doesn't score a single goal well, for us this I, season. I think I said it earlier on the podcast. He is saving it for the playoff final. I'm He's almost convinced of that. He's going to score one goal this season, but it's going to be the goal. It's going to be the goal you remember from this season. It's going to be that crowning moment. I, you know, no pressure, Luke, but that's that's what I'm thinking. But you mentioned it there as well, and. He's put, like I think we've said before, well, McFadden seems to have gone under the radar a little bit. He has again just solidified the left wing back role, and I think again he's one of those players where when he's not playing, you you do really miss him. I think McAlinden has had some really good games at left wing back this season, but like you said, the partnership's just not quite there, and he's always sort of impressed me as someone off the bench to change games mm-hmm. and not necessarily someone starting them. And you know, touch wood, hopefully. We can have McFadden and the strongest team back, and everyone fully fit for the for the running and for the playoff campaign. But we, you know, we can't have any complaints either. We've got enough of a budget. We've got a big enough squad that we've got to be able to deal with this. And other teams have had injuries this season, and you know, we have just got to deal with it at the end of the day. Naif, the match against Weymouth then. You've got to take the positive that we've bounced back from the defeats of Woking, got that out of our system nice and early. We came back from a goal down, scored six, fantastic second half performance. But that first half performance, we've had a real knack of having to go behind in games to have that kick up the backside. You probably can't afford that in the playoffs. While we might have the track record of coming back and showing that mentality and never giving up, is it not a concern for you that we are conceding so many goals early on in games and going behind it in the first place? I mean, it shouldn't take a goal. It shouldn't take a goal. You need you to go a goal down to to light the fire inside you. You know, it, 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 we're too good a team. We've got too many good players to... It, it's one of them, Rich, isn't it? it, it is it concerning? It is concerning, but we've gone and put six past Weymouth. You know, we've, we've gone and done the job in the end. I don't know if you saw the video of Stockport fans at the... Cheshire, was it the, uh, the Cheshire Senior Cup final? Um, celebrating, a pocket of them were celebrating when they got news of Weymouth's goal. I'm not sure. I didn't see any videos of when we'd scored our sixth, but I'm going to guess that it wasn't For a team so who say that it's a one-horse title race, they seem quite obsessed with the team in second, don't they? Uh, weirdly, with, with, I think both... You know what? If both go up, brilliant, but it's it's got the needle that you want in a title race. You know what I mean? It, it it was early in the season. There was quite a lot of respect between Stockport and Wrexham, and it was yeah. Well, both clubs want the other one to go up, and and yeah, yeah. Now it's them chanting, you know, f Wrexham, we're going to win the league, and you know they're they're singing about Wrexham when they're playing Vauxhall Motors. So look, it, it, what I'm just glad. I'm glad it, it almost made its comeback last night. Rich, somebody tried to get it going before they got shot down, but someone did try and revive Weymouth. Get battered everywhere they go. Um, and quickly got the daggers and um, Weymouth and, get battered yeah, that... everywhere they go, including Weymouth. Uh, well, yeah, they got. I mean, they do. In fairness, they do seem to get battered uh, wherever they go. But that chant didn't make a return. I'm just trying to think of uh, any other business. I don't know if you saw the picture I put on of 
a bull, the, their mascot. Did you see that, the mascot? He looked, it was very odd. And I, I, someone did send an explanation on Twitter to say that the nickname is, the nickname of the mascot is Ivan the Terrier Bull. That's which, like my Christian Dibble joke, isn't it? That's all that made me feel slightly ill, yeah. And one of the stands was nicknamed the Marble Restaurant, where I I don't know. I don't know if they only served cigarettes in there or not, but that was incredibly odd. It was just a very odd day out in total, really, Rich. It was, we weren't playing in green. It seems like we've done away with green for night games. I'm not sure if we're going to see the green again now. I'm trying to think of the kit clashes. We'll play in red on Saturday. Borenwood playing white, I would assume. So red again. maybe we'll... Red or what well, depends if, oh, if, uh, yeah, maybe it depends on our shorts, I guess, but potentially red again. Then we've got Stockport that will be red, and oh, then man, Dagenham, sure. and then Dagenham. I don't know, they play, white. they play in red and blue, don't they? So, so you think we'll be in the white or the, yeah, well, it's got to be the white, doesn't it? The green yeah. would be too dark. So, there you yeah, go, and you'd get the colorblind clash there. So, you'd like maybe. to think that <laughs> you'd get here we white, go then, yeah. Any other business then? Any other business for you, Rich? Did you see that video of the Weymouth player running on with shorts so, so high? I mean, what is going on there? He looked if you like haven't he just seen been that to video. Sort of lost property, didn't he, in, in PE? He forgot his kit it, that day. He's got his shorts up to his belly button, maybe even to his nipples. Do, and do, Luke <laughs> Young just gives him this look saying, how high are they? Do, does does every Weymouth player, I'm not sure, does every Weymouth player just do squat? Are they on some sort of Kim Kardashian training programme? Because... The, one of our fans nicknamed their goalkeeper, Fitzsimmons, I think his name was. They nicknamed him Jailer because he had what I can describe as a bum that most women in gyms, maybe some blokes, but women around the world are desperate for. He looked like he'd had a, he looked like he'd had a Brazilian butt lift. That's what he looked like. And he was nicknamed Jailer. And so the, every goal kick, they were sort of making Jailer remarks. This player as well looks like he's doing about a couple of hundred squats a day. Uh... So I don't know what they're feeding them down in, in Weymouth. I would imagine fairly good food, fish and chips and, and such down there. But um, yeah, that was very odd. Everyone was kind of toned beyond belief. But they weren't very good at football, which was the main thing, Rich. And Yeah, they didn't play like Brazilians, to, did they? They, they, they? they definitely didn't play like Brazilians. Um, yeah, as we say, the, the key now, isn't it? The, the key now, and it, we didn't get answered in, in Parky's presser at, is 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 what what's the injury situation now? Because they're they're starting to pile up, aren't they now? Harry Lennon is out for the season. We know that. Lainton out for the season. McFadden, let's hope he's back. I don't know what you think on that. I I can't see a reason he would have travelled if he's not pretty good, but pretty good. Nick, the likes of Dior, we haven't seen for a while. Kwame, I'm not sure we're going to see these these players now at, at such a key time. Dave Jones seems like he coaches now. I don't think he's even in contention, although he might still get my goal of the season vote for that Solial goal. Maybe we'll get into that on the Player of the Season podcast. But yeah, it it seems like the likes of Tom O'Connor coming back, Hosanna, we just want to get everybody fit now. And that includes Jake Hyde. I'd love to have him back and just have him as an option off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we just need hopefully that unity for the last few games. And South End this weekend, Nafe, they're a peculiar side, very different to the one that we played earlier in the season at Roots Hall when we fought for a two-all draw. Um, South End in March had a weird run of five defeats on the row. They lost two on the way at Maidenhead, lost 2-0 at Yeovil, lost 3-0 at home to Notts County, lost 5-0 at home to Stockport, then lost 1-0 at home to Wealdstone. But since then, they've won three on the bounce. They beat Barnet away 3-1, Halifax at home 1-0, and beat Wood as well 1-0 on Tuesday night. Southend then go into the game 
in 12th place. They are out of the playoff picture. But, you know, a team with nothing to lose, another tricky test. What are you expecting from Wrexham this weekend? And again, obviously the injuries would probably dictate the lineup. But would you go with a similar one to to what we saw on Tuesday night? If not, anyway, uh, I would go. I would I would play French as I would put Hall Johnson back in. I think he really changed the games as the right wing back. I would have him in there. I would have French in there. I would give I would give Hayden a rest. You know, even if even if it is just precautionary, it's not torn. Or if he wants to play one of the two games, play him at Boreham Wood. But I would give him a rest. I'd play French and. Yeah, depending on McFadden, it's probably going to be McAlinden again. Uh, and yeah, the, the rest picks itself. I would play Jones, Young, Davis, Palmer, Mullin. Um, but yeah, it's, they're they're an interesting team, Southend, because I, there was a point where I did think they may come up on the rails and, and get that last playoff spot. Like you say, they've had they've had a couple of defeats too many, and it it was too much to make up. But they've got really good foundations going into next season. I mean, I'm looking at their front too. You're looking at Sam Dalby and Harry Cardwell. You know, there's players in there. I'm looking at Callum Powell, who you, if you're looking at super sub Callum. Fan, yeah, super sub Callum Powell. I mean, Rich, what what are your abiding memories of Callum Powell? Have you got many? Oh, do we have memories, good and bad? He, he was always chasing his first touch, and he was always fi- he was always five seconds behind where the ball was. Um, a really good athlete, really good pace, but there was a reason he's playing in the national league. No end product. He did well. Did he go to Rugby Town or somewhere similar? No, he, I think he came. Did he come from Rugby Town? I feel like he did might he? have come from them. But the, I think was Jake Spate his agent. I'm not sure. I think he came from Rugby, and amazingly, he was one of the players that he did believe his own hype. Unfortunately, too much so. Well, I, think, I, I might think he... I might try and save too much abuse from him until until after we've played Southend. Yeah, we signed him from Rugby Town. He went to Tamworth on low and then joined Tamworth at the end of the season. Stourbridge, Nuneaton, Buxton, Stratford Town. Revived his career at Kettering and then he joined Southend. Like I said, he was fast. He's a real weapon. Almost maybe like a non-league Dan James. Not much end product, but when you've got pace and that sort of running style, you are going to cause problems. Oh, He'll be desperate. He'll be absolutely desperate to... To have the final say, to to put the nail to in, Scott in, in Wrexham's coffin. Oh, he would, and I think he'll give it the big Scott Bowden celebration as well. You know, I think he knows. I think he's aware of the needle that's around him. You know, what I mean, maybe he feels like he was unfairly scapegoated. We've heard players on various podcasts talking about how you know Robbie Evans. I know Andy, who's fearless, was talking about that Robbie Evans on. He said if he if he could two foot one player, it would be Callum Powell. You know, just Paul Rutherford was another who said that he couldn't stand the arrogance of Callum Powell. So I'm sure he's well aware of that. And and look, Southend are a much better team now than when we played them, and it and it took a it took a double Tyler French assist to spare us at Roots Hall from from being embarrassed there. So look, they're they're in a good nick, and and it wouldn't surprise me uh, if we get a draw there. But look, we're we're going to be favoured at home. It's it's another massive round of matches, Rich. I mean, Boreham would look like they're going to miss the playoffs, but they're no, they're no pushover. You know, they're no, they're no, they're no Weymouth. So I'm, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and say we're going to get four points over the bank holiday weekend. Yeah, I think I'm going to back you on that one as well. Um, and yeah, I guess the other thing we want to end on, Nath, Rickson put in a bit of a lose lose situation, hands tied. 
they made the statement this week following confirmation that the playoff final will be at the London Stadium on Sunday, June the 5th. Wrexham put out a statement saying that they did try everything they could to avoid the, that date for the, the final. Obviously, it clashes with Wales's World Cup qualifying playoff against either Scotland or Ukraine. So Wrexham fans potentially have to choose club or country. You can either go watch Wrexham in a potential National League playoff final or definitely go and watch Wales in their World Cup playoff final. I understand why the club had to put out a statement to say, look, we've tried everything in case this happens. But obviously, in the world of social media, of modern football, it got gobbled up online. Lots of rival fans taunting us, accusing us of Callum Powell-esque arrogance for, pre- for presuming we're going to be in the playoff final. I don't think the club are claiming that whatsoever, but it did come across as a tweet that's going to age very badly. Yeah, and the, op- the optics didn't look great, did they? And, it, and if that had been Grimsby, or our fans would have been all over that, you know. And that's just the way social media will work. You're waiting for another club to to show a hint of ambition and arrogance, and and, and suddenly, and it and it wasn't an arrogant statement. I just want to say that, in my opinion, I've already said on a previous podcast, Rich, that I didn't share the outrage around the date of the final. You know, nobody could have foreseen that Wrexham, that Wales' game would end up on that date. You know, it was obviously meant to be much earlier in the year. And, yeah, so I I understand they could not, in my opinion, they couldn't have made special dispensation for moving it around and shuffling it in case Wrexham make it. What we can take issue with is, is the London Stadium. And I think, you know, Jubilee weekend, I've spoken to people at the National League, they've, they backed up the information I gave you on the podcast previously that, you know, they're, they're, this wasn't their first choice uh, option. They just didn't have many options left. And, and I've seen people say they don't believe that about reseeding the pitches and nothing the, being available. The that's the, that's that, the reality of it. That's the yeah. reality of the situation. And the other thing is that because of the World Cup next year, the Premier League season starts early August, August the 6th it starts. So teams literally will be tearing up their pitches at the end of May to get them ready for the start of the new campaign and there aren't many grounds you can play it at. I still feel that there must have been a more suitable stadium somewhere, mm. anywhere in the country really, not just in terms of accessibility on a Jubilee weekend again, as we reiterate, but for fan experience as well. The London Stadium is one of the worst grounds to visit. I've done Man United games there in the press box and you need binoculars. It is yeah, so far say. away from the stadium. The facilities for being a for being Olympic Stadium weren't that great. I remember there was severe sort of Wi-Fi issues as well when I covered that game for the MEN a few few years ago now. The London Stadium was was awful, you know, to get to. You have to walk through bloody is it Stratford shopping mall once you get off the Stratford, tube? They, Stratford. 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 Even in Manchester too long. I have Stratford. Yeah. Um well, I, well you know what I was looking at? I'll let you into a little secret. I'll let you behind the curtain of my Amazon uh recently watched items, Rich. I was looking at this is why I've got too much time on my hands and this is probably why I'm the type of person that ends up going to Weymouth on a Tuesday night after being up at four o'clock in the morning for work. You can actually buy now a monocular. It's just one binocular. It's almost like a, a telescope, uh, but it just it goes in your pocket. So I don't know. Do I want to invest in a monocular? I sort of feel like I do. Do I want to know um, why you're looking at monoculars? Oh, in case we get... Um, uh, we're talking, you know, in case we get to the London Stadium or I'm oh, in these I terrible thought, grounds. I thought this was just for daily personal use. No, no. Uh, no, I feel like that, that makes it sound weird and I'm desperately trying to not make it sound weird. In case we get there, 
you know, is that the type of thing that I want to get? I don't know. Do you even do you own binoculars? It's not the type of thing I own. I don't think. Um, my dad, um, who is an avid listener to the podcast, I'm pretty sure he's still got. A... He does. Oh, he's got he's got binoculars. If there's one, oh, if, right. if I had to bet money on one person in in the world having binoculars on them or in a bag, I'd, I'd say my dad. So that's very yeah. good. I like that. Um, Love that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure I can borrow a pair of binoculars if we get to the playoff final. If yeah. we get there, that there story there. might age as badly as that tweet I put we'll out see, a few Rich, weeks ago. We'll see. Got, we'll um, see. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, look, uh, we, there's a lot of people that came up to and said very nice things about the podcast, by the way. So if you are listening, I did try and encourage a few people who hadn't heard us, Rich, to, um, you know, come on and listen and, and have a natter and let us know. Email us, robryanred at gmail.com and tweet us, Twitter, at robryanred. And come on the Twitter spaces as well if you want to just have a natter there after matches. So I think that's about it, Rich. I feel like we've 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 got a lot to say, but look, all the talking now is being done on the pitch. It's... It's do or die time. It is. It is. And we will see what Wrexham are really made of in these last few games of the season. The title isn't over yet. A trip to the London Stadium might beckon. The club account, as people are saying, seem to think we will be there. They've not said anything of that. But we will be there no matter where the season takes us from now on. Myself and Nate, I think we'll be covering every single Wrexham game between now and the end of the campaign. Thank you very much for joining us on Rob Ryan Red. As always, you can get involved, robryanred at gmail.com, or you can get involved on social media at Rob Ryan Red. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Back the boys, make some noise. Iga next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.